Lauren, back to you on, on, on a different issue. Um, the Environment Committee today, the Minister for Public Expenditure was in uh, giving an update on Ireland's progress on its climate action plan. But just where are we at at the moment in terms of what the state of play is at the moment and then maybe go into what the uh, what the update we got is in terms of how slowly or otherwise we're progressing towards the end game. Well, slowly is the word. I mean, in a nutshell, how are we doing on climate? Not very well. So we have our key overall national targets in Ireland for on climate, which is to cut them in half by 2030 compared to 2018 and then to reach net zero by 2050. Um, emissions dropped only 1.9% in 2022 compared to the year before. They were in, in 2021, they were actually slightly higher than they were in 2020. Now, part of that is attributable to COVID, but in summary, not moving nearly significantly enough, nearly as quickly enough. Um, the reason, of course, that we need to reduce emissions is because those greenhouse gases are trapping heat inside the atmosphere, forcing up global average temperatures, and that creates all sorts of havoc for our, our climate systems and, and various devastating impacts. Um, Ireland has signed up to you know international targets under the EU, under the EU, under the Paris Agreement to get those emissions down. And one way we're trying to do that is with our carbon budgets, which are these five-year cycles setting out how the volume of emissions that we can you know, sort of afford to emit and, st- and and still reach those targets. We are way off track on staying within the first carbon budget. So the government has been warned by the Environment Protection Authority, the, the Climate Change Advisory Council, that unless significant action is taken to, to ramp things up, we are going to blow through the first carbon budget, which is, is uh, due, to, due to kind of come to the end of that first five-year cycle next year in 2025. Um, and then we'll have the, another five-year cycle after that and another one. Um, and the problem with them as well is that they're backloaded. Mm-hmm. So the first one has been um, the, the easiest in theory to reach and we still haven't managed to do that. The next two are going to get progressively more and more difficult. So if we can't manage it now, where we have you know a, a relatively smaller target than what we'll have in the future years, um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what, what um, magic solution um, you know, the government thinks it's going to be able to kind of pull out to, to turn this around. Um, the, the, uh, I mean, we've and, and, already in the first two years we used up forty-seven percent of the first carbon budget, um, leaving fifty-three percent then displayed across the three years. Um, you'd need twelve point four percent drops each year in 2023, 2024 and twenty twenty-five to make it up. And so, we're going on the rate of something like one point four at the moment. Exactly. And so Pascal Donoghue in, in the in the Oireachtas Committee today um, was sort of talking in part about kind of financing climate measures. So obviously in his room he was talking about some things like the carbon the carbon tax. Um, also a lot of the conversation came around things like the the planning system, um, which as a as a as a key role to play in, in the sense of there are so many projects that are going to have to get off the ground, whether that be you know big transport projects like the Metrolink or um, offshore wind and onshore wind, um, or, or even on a, on a more local level, things like building upgrades, um, dealing with vacant buildings, all of these sorts of things. Um, so there's a lot of discussion around that in, in the Oireachtas Committee, questions from politicians, um, whether the planning system is up to scratch to be able to deal with those things. And, and Minister Dunn, he was sort of adamant that it is. At one point, he said he is confident that when it comes to public transport and renewable energy on board Planala is given the resources that they need. And I'm confident we've made big progress on that. We certainly have to hope that there's been progress because we've seen the Climate Change Advisory Council, for one, come out and give major warnings last year. In May, they wrote to the three coalition leaders and said that the planning system is underfunded and that that's going to be a serious hamper in getting climate action projects. Up and going. I, I, Brian Lydon, I was reading through um, the minister's statement in front of the committee today and I, I scanned over it a couple of times and the largest 
contributor to greenhouse gases in the country is agriculture. And I, I didn't see any space devoted in in his update to a comprehensive uh, discussion of how that was being tackled or how, how it would be tackled. Is there a reluctance at no, this he, stage in an election year to talk about agriculture? No, the, the committee has been having a series of engagements uh, since uh, November uh, with the relevant ministers. Minister Dunhu was in today to talk about the public uh, um, expenditure aspect of it. We had Minister McConnell again in December and it was a very good session. And, but Minister um, Dunhu is, is, is the money guy. If there's going to be a just transition, surely he, he may have been talking about that in terms of schemes to fund that kind of, uh, of an yeah, issue. No, that's, it's really for the line minister, Minister McConnell. And um, you can listen back to, to that session and it was very thorough. And uh, I was very happy with uh, the way that uh, Minister McConnell engaged uh, with the subject matter. And I think that is the power of the Climate Act, which we brought in in 2021, uh, that it does, uh, this is the accountability piece, bringing the ministers into the Joint Directors Committee. Uh, and because that's there and they have to come in uh, effectively on an annual basis are, are really at the behest of the committee. Uh, and it really does force them to engage with the subject. I just want to point out that there, there's a logic to the carbon budgets being uh, uh, back uh, loaded. And the logic is that it takes time to ramp up the infrastructure and the systems, uh, whether it's transport, whether it's retrofitting, uh, whether it's changing agriculture, uh, whether it's the, the um, you know, the, the modal shift in, in transport. All of these things uh, take years, take money, take investment. And all of that is happening at the moment. Uh, notwithstanding, it was 2% in 2022 was the, the cut in emissions, uh, certainly not as much as we would have liked. I know, but, it, but it's, it's up overall since 1990 levels. So it, it was a it was a cut uh, year on year, but overall, since 1990, we're up 9%. Yeah, but this is our, our Climate uh, Act uh, um, mandates us to use 2018 as the baseline, not 1990. The European Union uses 1990. We use 2018. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so that's so actually because we're using 2018 and we're trying to do a 51% cut, uh, we actually have one of the st- steepest reduction trajectories in the world, second only to Denmark, uh, the the European Union uh, reduction trajectory is actually a, a, a more gentle uh, glide slope than our own one. Okay, but, e- but even I just taking, want to point even out, even taking twenty eighteen as the baseline, the electricity sector uh, is going to require a decarbonisation rate of seventeen point three percent per annum. This is a calculation um, on a, a call a review of the Climate Action Plan by uh, Mason Hayes and Curran. Uh, but it says the electricity sector requires a decarbonisation rate of 17.3% per annum in the period 2023 to 2025. For context, the average decarbonisation rate between 2018 and 2022 was 1.4% per annum. How are we going to manage that? Uh, we're, we're ramping up. And I just want to say, because it's important to say it, that uh, last year, uh, the provisional uh, carbon uh, re- reduction estimate is around 5%. So we've gone from 2% to 5% in, in one year. Uh, so you can see there that there is a ramping up happening right across the state and that's going to happen in electricity just as much as it's going to happen in the other sectors as well. And we are at about 40% renewable electricity uh, at the moment. Uh, in the month of December just gone, it was I think it was around 60%. Uh, it was really quite staggering and I think credit is uh, due to the people uh, working in the sector in, okay, well, in we'll, AirGrid as well. We because. Might- 
Brian, the, the EPA figure suggested that it would need to be at 12.4% in each of those three years to hit the carbon budget. So how can 5% be sort of lauded as a victory there? Well, to go from increasing emissions to a reduction in, of 2% to a reduction of 5%, you can see that we are going in the right direction. If you're saying we're not going in the right direction quickly enough, I agree with you. We have to do this as quickly as possible. But I would be absolutely open to suggestions as how we can do this more quickly. Uh, that, you know, we we all do need to work together. And it is like we have to be serious about this crisis. We okay, in the Green right. Party certainly are. And we're trying to bring everybody with I, us. Paul I, Murphy, I, 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 you have a suggestion to that question. Well, I have loads of suggestions. But... I think the starting point has to be to tell the truth. And I really think it's unfortunate that the Green Party were obviously very committed on this issue, no question. But because they're in power, they see the need to overstate what is happening and kind of pretend everything's going to be all right, that we're getting there. Slowly but surely, we're going in the right direction. And from a very different direction, that's the same message of actually the fossil fuel industry. Climate denialism is no longer their thing in the sense of actually denying it's happening. Instead, they they want to lull the world to sleep and say, we're going in the right direction. Things are going to be okay. Life can continue as normal. We don't need any radical changes in our society. And that's not true. We are heading for absolute disaster in this country. We, as Lauren said, we're going to blow through these budgets. But that's, I would like that's to know, the absolute truth. tell us what the radical changes are. Then. Yes. So the radical changes is to say, stop relying on the private sector. Stop allowing big emitting industries to set policy and instead do what is necessary. State led transition. Right. State investment. But you're talking about a huge okay. wrapping up of the, of the yeah. state there. Yes. Right? I am. So yes. how quickly can you do that? Well, there's there's things you can do very, very quickly. You can buy a bunch of buses, you can expand public transport, you can make public transport free. You can do all of that for a billion. That's all happening. You asked me for... No, no, it's not. Hang on a second. Transport is 19.1% of the issue. Exactly. That's that's the second biggest sector It's a big chunk. Agriculture is is the biggest biggest 38.4%. What's your plan on that? Is to move the agriculture sector in the complete opposite direction that it currently is, Right. Farmers have been incentivised to engage in industrialised beef and dairy farming. And the Irish government is still, while paying lip service to taking tackling climate change, going abroad to Korea in order to get more markets for our beef. We have to reduce the amount of beef and dairy that we are producing cut, and exporting. Cut, the vast majority cut of which the herd is, is right. export. Is, yes, we yes, need okay, to right. cut the herd. And, and, and that, that needs to fall okay, no, we'll, on the big we'll farmers, on big agribusiness, and we need to improve the lives and incomes of small farmers well, do, do, who are you, also can, losers out can, of the current can, policy. Can you really separate, separate out the idea of a big beef farmer from a smaller farmer? Yes. Smaller farmers breed cattle that are then finished by the larger farmers. One depends on the other. You're not looking at, you can't just say the big farmers will take the hit. All of the sector will take the no, hit. No, no, but, but then you provide programmes to make sure that small... I mean, most small farmers in this country, most farmers in this country have another job in order to survive. Most farmers are on very small incomes. They should be paid to actually do this very important work that they have in terms of looking after our land. We should be incentivising regenerative farming. Like, the state system of subsidies incentivises certain models. Pick up there, there's not on the agriculture, seeing as it's it's the biggest chunk. But, but Colm, there's one of the, the, the... things that the climate or carbon budgets are predicated on is the ramping up of the renewable sector because we're going to electrify our transport system, we're going to electrify our heating and that's where I'm really concerned because there's an awful lot banking on us reaching the 80% renewable target and 
we know that 95% of the experts in wind energy Ireland have said we're not going to meet the 2030 targets on our offshore wind they're saying we're not going to get beyond phase one by 2030 so we do have to focus Okay I, we, we'll come back to the yeah. energy thing in a minute but I just want to pick up there from the, from the agriculture thing seeing as I mean it, it would be I suppose remiss not to look at the biggest sector of emissions in greenhouse gases which is over 38% what's your radical plan for reducing but, emissions in the agriculture sector? Well look we know the farm want to play their part. I mean, the Acres scheme has 46,000 applicants, I think, and what they're saying is they're, they're, they're joining the schemes, but then there's delays in the payments and there's, the bureaucracy around is, is a problem. But I do think when you're asking... Do you asking, agree with Paul on the reduction of the herd? I think you need to incentivise farmers to do the right thing. And, and Paul well, is know, right. What pa- is the right thing? Is Paul it reducing is right the herd? No, the EU policy was ramp up, go big or go broke when it came to dairy and farmers were told to do that and you can rightly understand now why farmers would be saying well hang on a second a few years ago you were telling us to borrow and invest in this matter and now you're telling us that's we're, it's all our fault so you need to I, I work know, with farmers sustainability but, case you, that, but, you want, the, but you want a simple clickbait no, article of whether I don't want to clickbait article herd, I'm what asking, I would rather do no, Another participant on the panel has said that their radical idea for reducing emissions in agriculture is cutting the herd and providing the funding for for farmers in the absence of the cattle they're rearing. I'm asking you, do you agree with the proposition that reducing the herd is necessary to bring down agricultural I, emissions? I would rather work with farmers and bring them along the way. There's things bring that are being ignored. Bring them along the way to what though? To reducing to, the to, herd or not? To diversify what they're doing. Farmers will, will follow the money. Where if they can earn an income and a living, then they will follow the incentives and that's what you have to do. That's, and in, and, that's government policy. And that's, but yeah, yes, so but, you agree with but us, that's what I'm saying we, is that the 46,000 that have joined the acre scheme are saying there are delays in payments so what you're doing is you're, you're losing the goodwill of farmers who are joining the schemes I mean and I, and I will give credit to the Greens for reopening the organic farming scheme that was something that was closed for years so farmers who wanted to do the right thing which would have involved reducing your herd to go organic weren't even allowed okay. to join the scheme under the Fine Gael government what, so what farmers hear, have been what led down about carbon a, a tax today, bad Laura? path Carbon tax. So Pascal Dini, who is a staunch defender of the carbon tax, the importance he says of having a fund that you have there that is ring-fenced money for um, uh, climate projects. So right now it's being used for things like retrofitting um, and, and a just transition. Um, obviously that is a perennially controversial topic. I know there's you know different opinions on it here. Um, I, the car, if, we, if I could come back to the farming for a second though, if you look at what's in the climate action plan right now on agriculture so the newest climate action plan um, which came out just before Christmas um, almost immediately right before Christmas actually but um, <laughs> it um, and it's out now for public consultation which is the first time one of the plans has been out for public consultation so it'll be interesting in the kind of uh, current the framework that this one is under but um, it'll be so it'll be interesting to see what people feed back into that but what it has in there on agriculture obviously lots of different actions but one of the one that's hi- one of the ones that is highlighted is the idea of carbon farming which I don't know if that's the best the best term for it it seems a bit of a convoluted term to explain what is essentially incentivizing farmers to take to take actions that um, you know engaging with the land in, in ways that you can um, keep carbon in the ground or in vegetation rather than allowing it to be um, released into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide that, that's that's a really important idea but the problem I think is that the plant doesn't go far enough in explaining how that will be rolled out and, and the actions that are going to be taken you know to do that at scale because that's what needs to happen is that you know in principle 
that is the kind of thing we, that needs to happen is working with farmers to, to you know to rehabilitate our, the land that they're working on but how is that going to happen at scale and how right. is it going to happen quickly? All right. Brian Ledden, yeah. is, is that what the carbon tax is designed to do to provide the fund that would transition people to undertaking initiatives to do things like that at scale? Yeah, just on the the actions uh, on the agriculture side, there uh, an annex of actions will be published with the Climate Action Plan. That's and has been in the last few years with the previous plans. Uh, on the carbon tax, um, about 10 billion uh, euros uh, will be accrued by with the carbon tax by 2030 and that will be divided um, between in varying amounts between uh, agri, agri environmental schemes so this is pretty much what Paul was talking about uh, about paying farmers to transition away from more carbon intense farming uh, it'll be used to fund retrofitting and has already been uh, done for, used for that and uh, and the, the third stream is for uh, so social welfare and for to address uh, people that are in energy poverty so um that's a lot of money 10 billion euros uh, and it's coming from the carbon tax uh, and I know it's not popular I know I'm probably outnumbered here but I'm not outnumbered in the Oireachtas uh, because uh, whether it's ourselves Fine Gael Fianna Fáil Social Democrats or Labour we all agree that the carbon tax is ap absolutely necessary and my colleagues uh, to my left here I know that they don't but uh, I would wonder how they'd come up that, with the 10 billion dollars that positionally here I, in the I studio mean, both ways. But, <laughs> okay, but I mean the Greens have changed their position on this because we were told carbon tax was a behavioural tax so therefore it should be reducing over the year if it's doing what it's supposed to do which is getting people to move away from fossil fuel uh, heavy items such as their transport or their heating systems. The Green Party originally favoured a, a collect and dividend policy which was a behavioural one we'll tax you and then we'll give you back the money mm. to incentivise you so now we have Pascal O'Donoghue at least being honest with the people this is not a behavioural tax this is a tax that's being used to generate revenue and if that's the case then we can move to a point where we can find well, alternative sources really, of income because it's funding retrofitting which is we, we, we'll come back to no, but he, to, it's not a behavioural tax and if you're banking on it as a source of income into the future then you're accepting it's not a behavioural tax because it's, if it's, it's on the fuel, so, so but, but it incentivises It's not to, a behavioural tax. And your own fuels. party colleague, Nasa Hurrigan, accepted that when she said when energy prices hit the roof during the, the crisis with the war in Ukraine, people didn't reduce the amount of energy they were using. They just ended up having to cut back in other areas. So... It, if it was a behavioural tax, you wouldn't be banking right. on it as a source well, of revenue. You would be looking at it as a source of falling Paul revenue. Murphy, in terms of uh, building up a, a fund of money in order to achieve a just transition, address energy poverty, encourage, as you say, farmers to move into more sustainable practices. Is there an argument, in your view, for a carbon tax to fund those things? No, um, I think the carbon tax has the effect. It's an unjust uh, tax. Uh, many people have no choice. You know, you live somewhere, there's no accessible public transport, you have to drive a car, you cannot afford an electric car, you're hit with this tax. You've no choice. Um, so it's unjust. It also, it, it unfortunately propels some people against climate action. Mm -hmm. It makes people feel like this climate action stuff, it's stuff that makes my life harder. And actually, we should be seeing this as an opportunity to say people's lives can be significantly better, easier, higher quality. So they're the kind of policies we should be doing. So in terms of taxation, the best, most impactful environmental taxes are taxes on wealth. The richest people in the country are the ones that emit the most carbon by a long shot. 
So high tax on those earning, mm -hmm. you know, high, oh, well over 100,000 euros, increased rates, they will be very effective environmental this tax. This is a tax a wealth, the big a wealth cars tax, and the big houses. Uh, That's what uh, the carbon tax is. Uh, a wealth tax uh, would be a very effective environmental tax. And then let's implement measures that make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. Let's have a four-day week without loss of pay. Let's massively invest in terms of public space. Let's have a significantly increased rollout of the warmer home scheme to give people warmer homes, bringing down their energy, reducing their carbon uh, emissions. Like, climate action can be a thing that makes people's lives better, and I think carbon tax is a good example of the opposite of that, at least how people mm. uh, perceive it. And I think that's politically very, very damaging in terms of what we need to do, of like, this is the number one crisis facing humanity, so we have to bring people with right. us. Uh, Brian, give people, give people a day off tax the wealthy and then give people money to change change their lives. What's, what's not to like about that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds fantastic. And is that not what the carbon tax is? It's essentially taxing uh, the the people who are driving the big cars and uh, heating the big houses. What about the choice issue, the retrofitting, you know, the, the uh, public transport options, the, the people that... Yeah, so the know. carbon tax, as I said, is going back into the tune of billions. I think it's five billion of the ten is going into retrovision uh, and that is uh, being spread right across society and it is targeting uh, the, the the poorest first. Um, the government, I'm just on the, the rural transport, which is a, a re real issue, um, but the government is rolling out a, a new rural bus service every week in this state. It's like the most feedback I get on anything uh, in my constituency office is just how good the, the new rural services across County Limerick are. And they really are making a difference to people's lives. And I have uh, rural Fine Gael and Fine Fall and, and Sinn Féin councillors saying, uh, well, in fairness to you, uh, you are providing uh, public transport solutions for rural Ireland. So and that is what we have to do in, in transport. We do need to get to uh, an every village, every hour model. We can do that, I think. Um, but uh, I, I'm confident we will. And, and uh, in, in our cities, we need to uh, create transport systems where people don't need the private car to get around. Right. I think and those would be better towns and cities. Lauren, this, anyway. th this is your beat. What do you think the big unaddressed issue is? Is, your, is there anything that's a standout thing that's just not been addressed, in your view, for political reasons? Or uh, are there uh, attempts uh, being made to try and, and cover all bases, uh, even if the progress is slow. Yeah, I think we should be talking more about the data centres. Um, yeah. I think that's something in the Climate Action Plan that, you know, if you look at what was put in that for the most recent Climate Action Plan, one of the measures is to incentivise large energy users to um, to, to get in on de demand flexibility, which is essentially ask, you know, asking them, pleading with them to um, please don't use as much energy at certain times of the day. Um, that's not going to cut it mm -hmm. when you look at... But data centres aren't responsible for a lot of emissions. It's the low single digits. But like when you, you look could, at the demand they put on the energy grid exactly. and, yeah. and, and the, and the amount that, of change that we need That's a different issue. That's a different issue in terms of emissions. And just, 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 just let Lauren finish. In terms of emissions. Sorry, yeah, just Lauren. But you can't try point. to argue that energy and emissions are are, are too disconnected. They're making issues, a renewable targets much harder. We're talking about no. climate, and this is in the climate action plan. Yeah. If okay. you're saying Brian that, Lydon. if you're saying that we need to target data centres, and that that's a, a fair enough, a valid position. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, it's in the low single digits in terms of our overall emissions profile that data centres are responsible okay, for. But so we, like, <laughs> Colm is correct to, to look to agriculture. It's nearly 40 percent 
transport. Well, what about embodied carbon in building? The planning, the planning, the planning act is currently going through uh, the Dáil committee stage, and there's not a single item in the planning bill to deal with embodied carbon All I'm or saying, new building technologies. There's, there's not you, you a single. You might be going to Europe okay. soon, Lynn, there's, and, uh, there's not <laughs> and Europe is leading on embodied no, carbon, okay. and the Irish position Brian, is France, that we wait. France and Denmark have pushed ahead okay. and have gone hey, and mandated all public Paul building Murphy, you're, contracts. You're, 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 you have a sheet of papers in front of you. Scratching your head. So I, I, what, I'm 100 with Lauren on the data centres. I mean, there's a KPI it's in the. There's it, KPI in the climate action plan for 2025. That's a key performance a key indicator, performance indicator for zero carbon demand growth in the electricity sector. But if we're going to keep adding more and more data centres, and that's what we're, we're currently about 18% of our electricity yeah, goes, we're going up to 30%. But we are, we're on our trajectory of going up to 30%. And now you have the in terms of scene situation whereby some of them are directly connected to gas, yes, yeah. right? So they're not going through this thing of using electricity, some of which is generated by burning fossil They're just burning the gas okay. itself. Like, it's right. absolute madness. And right. also making electricity more expensive for the average household they're, because they they're mean that we have to have more fossil fuels to meet the energy okay. demand, right. which means that households don't, don't aren't benefiting wrong, the renewable. But, but if, like, if we tackle, if we close down all the data centres in the morning, mm-hmm. it's going to be a couple of percent of our total okay. emissions. Right. We, we, so we're we're going to solve the problem. We're going to have to take a break. We're mo- back with more after this. The Late Debate with Colm O'Mungan on RTE Radio 1.